Praise the Lord. Today, I'd like to share a message with you, which is the last in our series, Walk This Way, which is a series on discipleship. And remember with discipleship, that's the process after you get saved of growing up, of maturing, of coming into purity, holiness, Christ-likeness. There's always two things going on in your life the victory you're getting in your outside world, like finances and health and relationships. And then there is the inward work, which is what are you becoming on the inside? What kind of a man or woman are you developing into over time? If you get saved at age 18 and you put faith in a Savior, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for you and rose from the dead, paying the price for your sin. You're saved and you're going to heaven. Can you name amen to that? But you don't have to grow. You can stay right like this guy. And you can become 65 years old and, and be no more mature than you were at age 18. And when you see an older saint that's still a gossip, a busybody, an angry person, an ambitious person, in the wrong use of the word ambition. There's just something unseemly about it. It's like, you ought to be farther down the road than that. It has nothing to do with your education. You don't have to go to Bible college. It has nothing to do with your family of origin. It has to do with, are you partnering with God to grow up? Now, if you get saved at age 18 and you partner with the Holy Spirit, which is what we're going to talk about today, if you partner with the Holy Spirit, you will, over time, grow up. The Apostle Paul says, over here, you're a child. Over here, you're a father. You've grown up. And by the time you get over here, towards the end of your life, you have changed into the kind of person that you had potential to become. Now, when you go to heaven... If you're saved over here and you're 18 and you don't grow up and now you're 65 and you, and you die and you go to heaven, you still get in, but there's an eternal loss of reward that you forfeited. But if you grow up, mature, come into Christ-likeness and you die and you stand before God in heaven, you are rewarded proportionally on your growth. The Bible says that he will put you in charge of things, which is kind of a metaphor symbolic of ruling and reigning with him into eternity. So what are the stakes of holiness that could not be higher? We as Pentecostals like to talk about victory. There's victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. I want to talk today about a victory that's internal, a victory over besetting attitudes that today may be disguised. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us. Today I'm asking you to put your life in the hands of a good father and give him permission to change you. 
at whatever the cost. Would you be willing to do that? That last phrase, at whatever the cost. Is, is holiness enough of a value that we would be willing to do whatever, experience whatever is necessary to become what God wants us to be? And this is the kind of a message for people that are serious about growing in God. How does the Holy Spirit grow you up? And we're going to talk about that today. Today's message is entitled, Sanctified by the Spirit. Sanctified by the Spirit. Would you say that with me? Sanctified by the Spirit. I was a 24-year-old young father. I was married at 22. Rhonda and I had a baby almost 12 months to the day we got married. And she uh, conceived again very shortly after that with our second child. And I went to a camp meeting in the northern part of Minnesota. She was heavy with child. She was really big. And we're in the back of the sanctuary, held about 400 people. And there was a prophet there. His name was Laddie McDowell. Now, Laddie McDowell has gone to be with the Lord in the last couple of years. But he was an old school prophet. There's not many of those left who didn't come and prophesy for a buck. He came for a love offering. But he knew God, and he prophesied personal prophecies. Now, I never lead my life by personal prophecy, but it is part of how I, how I look at stuff. I mean, it's certainly a big part. But I don't, it has to be more than just a prophetic word. Anyway, he said, the first meeting, uh, uh, he said, I have time for three or four prophecies. The meeting is running late, so uh, just keep that in view. And he says, young man in the back, I, I have a word for you. He says, the man in the blue shirt. Well, I'm in the back in a blue shirt. There's a whole bunch of men in the back. Of course, we're men. So when he said in the blue shirt, what happened? We all looked down because none of us remembered what the shirt color was. We had no idea the color shirt we had. I had a blue shirt, so he called me forward. I came down in the front, and he had a prophetic word for my wife about being a mother, which is proven to be so true. Then he said to me, he said, young man, you don't need to go to Bible school in this season. He said, I want to enroll you in the school of the Spirit. Oh, I wanted to go to Bible school. I've been a school teacher for three years, and I, who doesn't want to go to Bible school? I mean, that's like, when you're a young Christian, that's like, that, and so much more. <laughs> Whew, that almost, almost fell over there. My mind just locked up. Got dizzy in the whole bit. Oh, I want to go to Bible school. He read my mail. He said, in this season, I did go to Bible school at age 37. Almost 15 years later, I went to Regent. He said, I want to enroll you in the school of the Spirit in your local church. Now, he's not talking about a class called School of the Spirit. He's not talking about a prime time or equipping class or adult Sunday school class. 
he is talking about a school always in session and always willing to take new members that is led by the Holy Spirit with the goal of growing you up, of maturing you. The older you get, you, you, sometimes we think most of the changes happened. Oh, that is not true. Oh, there's always change. Oh, when you get older, it's self-righteousness. When you get older, it's judgment. When it gets older, sometimes it's gossip. Oh, there's always something that the Holy Spirit wants to work on us in the school of the Spirit the pastor I am today was shaped in the first 10 years of my ministry. Regent was a finishing school. I learned Greek, learned church history. I loved my time at Regent, but that did not make me a pastor. What made me a pastor was working with people. You all aren't that easy sometimes. No, it's just living, man. First Peter 1, chapter Chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, To God's elect, whom have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. There's the phrase, the sanctifying work, not of the flesh, not of your willpower, not of your church, not of your pastor, not of your learning, not of your equipping. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And how do you know if the Holy Spirit is working? Next phrase says, you're growing in obedience to Christ. The measurement of maturity in one regard is, are you obeying his commands for our life? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, in a similar vein, says this, His divine power, that is the Holy Spirit, has given us everything we need for a godly life. Is that encouraging or what? The Holy Spirit can give you everything you need to mature. You don't need a motivational speaker. You don't need to have a special book. You don't even need to have a coach or mentor. The Holy Spirit says, let me in your life. Get on the potter's wheel and let me shape you. And I have everything in my toolkit necessary to make you the kind of person you were born to be. Romans 8 and 9 in the Passion says, but when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are no longer dominated by the flesh. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? What is sanctification? It means that you're set apart, you're becoming holy, you're entering into another level of purity, you are maturing, you are becoming Christ-like. Justification is a status. Sanctification is a process. The Bible says, for God has not called us to be impure, but it's called us to be holy. Early Pentecostals at the turn of the 20th century believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a way that's different than most believe today. Today we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit as an event of empowerment by the Spirit. 
accompanied often by a prayer language. The early Pentecostals were, weren't in that camp. The early Pentecostals were more Wesleyan, which believed the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when you have an encounter with the Spirit of God and the results isn't power, but the results is holiness. So altars would be filled with early Pentecostals seeking a touch of the Spirit to become holy. Today we seek a touch of the Spirit to be powerful, healed, victorious, a breakthrough against demonic powers. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm in that camp. But our forefathers were so serious about holiness. They sought God. And they would say, God, whatever you do, make me holy. Would you be willing to say to God today, whatever it takes, make me holy? Do we see holiness as the highest goal of our life? I mean, seriously. Holiness as the highest goal of our life. Some of you might say, what's the vision? What's the vision you have for your life? People will say, I have a vision for ministry. I have a vision for business. I have a vision to be married. I have a vision to have children. You know, lots of good visions. How about this vision? The vision for my life is to be like Jesus. And if I never advance in the world's eyes. Now, does God want us to advance? Of course, I'm not arguing against that. I'm arguing against priority. That we really see who we're becoming, who we are becoming as the number one issue of the Christian life. Now, what you're doing, you know, the number one issue of the Christian life isn't evangelism. It's who are you becoming? Because you're going to replicate in your disciple who you are. So the job one is you had better have a life in Christ worth sharing. That's called sanctification. That is maturity. That's purity. Now, sanctification, there's a positional truth. Hebrews 10 and 10 says, and by that we have been sanctified. Past tense, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And in this place and in other places, including uh, Hebrews 10 and 10, it says that Christ has sanctified us fully when we get saved. That's called a positional truth. Now, there's a lot of verses that say that. But there are a lot of verses that say something else. Progressive truth. For example, Philippians 1 and 2. As you've always obeyed, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Stay. This is a little bit technical, but I need you to stay with me for 30 seconds on this point to build to the, to the last point here. We are sanctified in Christ fully, and we are being sanctified as a process. Now, that's a bit confusing. Like, how can you already be it, but you're in a process to become it? You see how that's Confusing? Y'all with me on that? Go ahead and just say whatever you want. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. This is a good this is a way to think about it. I'm a Backens. My children have Backens DNA. When they are born, they're 100 percent Backens. Say amen to that. They're Backens. 100 percent They're like they're not like 80 percent Backens. They're 100 percent Backens. But yet they have not yet become 
what a backhand represents. We taught our children from the day they could talk that a backhand represents you have a testimony as a Christian, you always keep your word, and you work hard. You don't have to adopt those three things. That's what we said it every time. They're going to go out on a date. Remember, you're a Bakkins. They've got the first job. Remember, you're a Bakkins. They're going to go off to college. Remember, you're a Bakkins. Remember, you're a Bakkins. What did that mean? It meant those three things. They have integrity. They, they have a Christian testimony. Their word is their bond, that kind of stuff, right? That's what it means to be in our family. So when they're born a Bakkins, it's through discipline and training over time that they become a Bakkins. Without discipline, without training, they're they're positionally they're a Bakkins, but in their life they're not acting like how a Bakkins acts. We don't do that. Bakkinses don't lie. You know, I do a lot of bad things, Melvin. I do a lot of bad things, but I never lie. I never lie. Doesn't mean I'm talking all the time. But I, I just don't lie. That's, that's who we are. We just don't lie. Now, I've taken 40 years. I got, my oldest is 43 to make them. Now, they have got children, and now they're working on their children to be backends. So you are born a sanctified Christian. But your life is to become that which you are positionally already. You follow me? You follow me? How important is it? It couldn't be more important. Sanctification, friends, is not self-improvement. It's not personal growth. It's not developing yourself. That has its place. But personal growth is not sanctification. Sanctification is not a work of human will. Sanctification is a work of the Spirit. Sanctification is supernatural. Did you all have good worship today? Yeah. Uh, when I came in, I know that song was in the song set. That was a fantastic song. I almost didn't want to preach. You should be saying right now, but we're glad you are. That little pause right there. I gave you a chance to build up my ego. But you know, when you come into worship with your heart and you present your heart to God, God touches you in the worship and you get sanctified a little bit. Every time you encounter the Spirit of Christ, from prayer to the Eucharist to worship, you are changing. Now, you don't change just by showing up and listening. <clears throat> you change by partnering. Touch me. How do you know if you've been touched by the Holy Ghost? It's not a tingle. It's not because you fall on the carpet. Are you a better person? Are you more patient? Are you more kind? Are the fruits of the Spirit evident? Are you fire baptized? What's the role of the Holy Spirit in sanctification? I'm going to give you four things. You can write these down if you like. Okay, they'll be on the website. You'll see them overhead. First of all, the Holy Spirit warns me. He warns us. Before you fall into sin, before you succumb to temptation, before your life has got a disaster, the Holy Spirit warns you. The Holy Spirit will warn you in a conversation. Hush, shh, shh, don't talk, don't talk. Don't defend yourself. Don't hush, 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 
hush, hush, hush, hush, hush, hush, hush, hush. Okay, go ahead and talk. You're going to talk. <coughs> the Holy Spirit warns us. Man, if it's midnight and you're depressed, don't go on the internet. Porn will find you. You're going to have a warning. Like I told our kids when they were growing up, nothing good happens after midnight. Nothing good happens after midnight. You just get in trouble one way or another. Be home, kids. Be home. After you're married, midnight, you're just starting with getting into trouble. Warning them. Don't go there. Don't do that. The scripture says in John 16, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Okay, let's say you're going to go into a Glacier National Park where there are regular attacks by grizzly bears. I just saw one the other day in the news. And you're not accustomed to that wilderness, and you're going to hike through the wilderness. Do you think you want a guide? Do you think you want somebody saying, don't go down that trail? And if you see a grizzly bear, do not run. If you see cubs, grizzly cubs, get out of there. Somebody to guide you out of trouble? That's the Holy Spirit guiding you, man. You can say, no, nah, I can go through the wilderness myself. No, you're going to get attacked and eaten. All that's going to be left of you is your flannel shirt. <laughs> the Holy Spirit guides us. He warns us. I'm a sports fan, always been a sports fan. I used to wear Pittsburgh Steeler gear. I'm pouting. They're doing so badly this year. Ugh. Since I'm age 18, I've subscribed to Sports Illustrated. I stopped about 15 years ago, maybe more. And I saved all of them. I mean, I love sports. And then Sports Illustrated came out with a great idea of the swimsuit issue. Now, you gotta be patient with me, I'm 65. Some of you are going, swimsuit issue? If you're 55, you know what the swimsuit issue, oh, you can't, you could be 40, you know what the, do they still do the swimsuit issue? Why am I looking at you, Melvin? I don't know why. I thought if anybody would know. So there's the swimsuit issue. And the Holy Spirit warns you, warns me, don't go there. Now, somebody's probably saying, Dan, on the scale of porn, a swimsuit issue is like a one on a 10. Well, I'm telling you my journey, not your journey. I know that if I go there and I look there, my mind is pretty imaginative. It will take me where no man has gone before. So the Holy Spirit's role is warning, warning, do not open it, warning, warning, warning. So after getting warned, now when the, I have, you know, for the last few years when the Sports Illustrated issue would come, I'd see it on the table or something, and I would just take it and throw it in the trash and not look at it. Now this is not to pat myself on the back. I have lots of stuff I'm working on. But in that issue, that issue right there, the Holy Spirit warned me. And I knew if I did not heed his warning, there was going to be a problem. 
Number two, the Holy Spirit searches us. He searches us. Psalms 139, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me. If you've been a Christian a long time, on your road of sanctification, you're, you're probably different than you were 25, 35, 45 years ago. And you might begin to think that the heavy lifting of sanctification is over. Think of it this way. If you look at my hand, my hand looks clean. I wash my hands often. They're not dirty. They're clean. But if I put my hand under a very bright light, I will see under a microscope a lot of dirt in the crevices of my hand that could not be seen until there was a bright light shining on it and attention was given to it. That's how our lives are. We think like, yeah, you know, I don't struggle with lust like I did when I was young. Get, get under the light. Let the Spirit of God search you. Ambition comes up. Fears come up. Anger, where did that come from? Oh, baby, it's there. Remember what that old saying we had, if something gets your goat, just shows you got a goat to get. The goat to get, the, those things inside of us that still can be triggered. The Holy Spirit can search those things out. The Holy Spirit is, spotlight is on me in lots of areas. One area he's working on me is be like in my speech because I'm a senior pastor I can get away with gossip because it can come across as sharing a leadership concern and it's just gossip the Holy Spirit can shine his light on me that I can have a leadership swagger it's just the pride of life. You know that, you know, the, the pastor. <sighs> that guy, that guy's got problems. That guy's got so much pride, it suffocates me. The Bible says you want to be great, you be the servant of all. The great leaders are in the parking lot in the nursery. They're not self-appointed blah, 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 blahs. They just happen to be able to talk or sing. Recently, I had the, the Holy Spirit search me in the area of a blind spot in my life. Oh, it was painful. I didn't say this was easy. But if your goal is to grow up, when there's pain, there's something good happening there. I'm not talking about all pain, but I'm talking about stuff that bugs you. There's something that God can use there to grow you up. I have a real desire for the church to have a spirit of excellence. That affects one of our core values. 
So being a large church, I'm not in every campus all the time or in every ministry all the time. And so I kind of float around. And when, I, when I'm in, a, in something our church is doing or some event, I quickly see things that need to be changed. Out of Kimsville, I was just at Kimsville, I immediately saw that our whole greeting team was one ethnicity. That's not how we do it. The greeting teams have to be mixed to represent multi-ethnicity. I picked up on it like that, just like that. I go in, and I'm with Liam, with campus professor, and I want to tell Liam that. But the last couple of weeks, the searchlight has been on me about confusing a spirit of criticism with the spirit of excellence. Or another way to say it, being critical of others' efforts and calling it something else. Pastor Kevin met with me on a Friday and said, Dan, I want to talk to you. This has been probably four weeks ago. So he talked to me. He said, Dan, you might have a blind spot. Oh, everybody loves to hear that. And he said, some of the staff feel that sometimes you come in, make corrections without knowing the whole story. Oh, I detested that moment. I had everything inside me pushed back. Like, you don't know, man. If I didn't keep my hands on stuff, stuff will just fall apart. So I defend myself, inwardly mostly. And I'm angry. I'm hurt. It's a blind spot. I didn't see it. And I de- you will deny blind spots. That's why they're called blind spots. You know, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I said I'm not angry. I'm not an angry person. Like that. So Kevin and I said to Kevin, I'll pray about it. This is a Friday. I could barely get to my car. I was so ticked. I'm old enough, mature enough to to be quiet. I I didn't say anything out loud. I'm just doing an inward burn. Tuesday, Saturday, I'm feeling a little bit better. I've taken to the Lord in prayer. I've not shared it with anybody. I'm not not processing my my process with God. It's between me and God. Because I could turn it into gossip if I wasn't careful. So it's just me and God. By Sunday, I have a lightness. And by Monday, I'm thanking God for exposing the blind spot. And by Tuesday, I'm a changed man. Now, not totally changed. doesn't mean I have to keep trying. But I see it now. How did I see it? The Holy Spirit searched me. Now, he used a human vessel, but nonetheless... It was the Holy Spirit. That's how it works, friends. That's how it works. Most people leave church because they're offended, not because of doctrine. And you will create, you'll construct in your mind a defense of why your offense is worthy of leaving a church. It's simply a blind spot. You can't leave a church being offended. You got to work it out first and then leave. You all with me on that? Okay, I have one, I have two... Lock the doors, ushers. I don't want anybody leaving yet. (sighs) Number three, he comforts me. How does the Holy Spirit sanctify me? He comforts me in the process. You're going to make it. You're not going to change everything in one day. I'm not condemning you, the Holy Spirit says. The Holy Spirit comes alongside you. And if you will partner with him, you'll change. It's like this. You're here. 
and who you need to be is over here. And if you partner with the Holy Spirit and he's with you, he's comforting you, he's teaching you, he's guiding you, you'll get, it, you'll go over, you'll get there in time. If you don't partner with the Holy Spirit, it goes like this. I don't know what that was. That was Pastor Wayne dancing before the Lord. Oh man, that's where the Holy Spirit comes alongside. He advocates, he assists. The Holy Spirit meets me in confession. When I confess my sins, I feel free. Holy Spirit's comfort is right there. I feel the Holy Spirit in the Eucharist and worship and reading my Bible and praying. He's there comforting and guiding and helping. And the last one is the Holy Spirit transforms me. The word transform is the Greek word for a metamorphosis. When a worm turns into a butterfly, that's quite a change. Right? I suppose it's a little bit uncomfortable. I don't think I could be a worm and sprout wings without a little bit of pain. Why does the worm go through the pain? Because they know the beauty of the butterfly that's to come. Second Corinthians says this, verse, three, verse 18 of chapter 3, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed, present tense, are being transformed into the image from one degree to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This verse says, says this, and it will say this in the Passion Version, that when we come into the presence of of God, we change. He transforms us. I did a national podcast about two years ago, and they were asked me by a multi-ethnic church and so forth, and one of the questions towards the end of the podcast was, do you have any regrets in ministry? And I probably gave him an answer that he was unprepared for. I said this, my regret was that when I was diagnosed with cancer, I was so afraid. I did not handle it well. I had talked trust, I had talked faith for 50 years, man. But when the cancer came knocking on my door, I was almost immobilized. I said, I should have done better. I don't think he's ready for that level of transparency. Hey, if you know me, I'm spilling the beans. Since then, that fear has gone away. It took 15 years, but it's gone away. I've sang the songs about trusting God for 15 years. I've read God's promises to me for 15 years. I've confessed my fear honestly to God. I've changed. Does that mean I'll never have to stand against fear? It's not, I'm not saying that. But the core thing has been changed. I'm not nervous about my next doctor's appointment. 
And I mean it. I, would, I wouldn't tell you if I was teasing you. How did that happen? In that area of my life, there has been a transformation. Amen. Perfect love, over time, has cast out that fear. And can I be honest with you? It's a lot better when there's no fear. Doesn't mean I'm not a bit nervous about an appointment or something like that. But just the fear thing of dying, of leaving a widow, that kind of stuff. How did it happen? Not by my willpower. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to. It's this. Lord, I'm afraid, but I'm going to come into your presence. I'm going to behold your beauty. And degree by degree, you're going to transform me. I'm cooperating, but I'm not doing the work. I'm inviting you, but I'm not forcing your hand. The sanctifying power of the Spirit. As you bring this to a close today, I want to give you a short prayer that you can pray today at the close of this service or any time you'd like to pray. How many of you would join me in being serious about holiness? Can I see your hands? We're serious about holiness. I mean, we are serious. It's not a work of the flesh by willpower. I hope I made that clear. It's a work of the spirit. Our role is to believe and cooperate. Heed the warning. Watch the guide. Receive the comfort. Be transformed. Here's the prayer. Spirit, search me. Are we willing to allow the Holy Spirit to really search us? You may find that a person that you have offense with, that the spotlight's not going to be on their actions, but the spotlight may come back on your reactions. Stay on the potter's wheel. Let the hands of the Holy Ghost finish what he's doing. Don't get off. Don't run. Allow the Holy Spirit to search us. Number two is we ask the Holy Spirit to forgive us. Holy Spirit, have I quenched you? Have I resisted you? Have I grieved you? I'm sorry. Listen to me. If, if you want the Holy Spirit to talk to you, but you don't do what he says, that's a bit rude. God is talking to you, and you're saying, nah, I want to do it my way. How do you think that's going to end? The best way is to say, Lord, just do what you got to do. I repent. I'm sorry. Whatever you want me to do, however you want me to say something to somebody or whatever, I'm willing because changing is more important than staying the same. Third point of our short little prayer is spirit change me. Do what you got to do. Spirit search me. Spirit forgive me. Now spirit change me. Spirit, search me. Do I have a religious spirit? Am I passive? Am I an angry person? 
whatever, ambitious in the wrong kind of way, search me. Spirit, forgive me for those things. Forgive me for quenching you, for not listening to your voice that warns me. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm on the potter's wheel. Change me. Just change me. Stand your feet, please. Well, I hope that you enjoyed our sermon today. I hope that you were inspired and challenged. And maybe you have a question about something that you heard in the message today, or maybe you need prayer. We would love to take the time to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. All you need to do is simply send us an email to online at newlife.global, and we would love to connect with you. Well, be sure to subscribe to our channel. You should see the link right over here somewhere and turn those notifications on. That way you are notified every single time we go live on YouTube. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you on the next video. Take care.